What's up, interpreters? I'm Dr. Carla Gull from Mary Lee Environmental Learning Center of Goshen College. I am the coordinator of the Master of Arts in Environmental Education and associate faculty here on staff. Uh, I get to do all kinds of fun things like take students to conferences, take them to uh, intercultural classes someplace else for three weeks out of the year, and just guide them in this um, intensive 11-month journey. Um, through learning more about environmental education and interpretation as one of those tools within that. What is up, interpreters? I'm NAI Executive Director Paul Caputo, and with me, as always... Ooh, that's me. What's up, interpreters? I'm Song. I'm your events manager with NAI, and we are thrilled to have Carla Gull, Dr. Carla Gull, here with us on this podcast. Hey, Carla. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So Carla, I met you via um, a concurrence session submission for the last uh, NEI conference in Little Rock, Arkansas, and you brought a few students with you uh, to the conference, which was really exciting. And they participated in the Marketplace of Ideas with a couple little poster sessions, which was amazing. Tell me a little bit about uh, the work you do with students um, and this intensive 11-month course. Thanks. Um, so it's a full master's degree program. We just uh, combine it and condense it into 11 months. Um, so it is pretty wow. immersive, hands-on, and busy. <laughs> uh, and as part of that, we do go to a professional conference. Um, every year we've been going to NAI for many times as part of that. And I saw the marketplace of ideas. Uh, I'm kind of new in the position since last June, but I've been doing some adjunct work in the program for several years. And I was like, oh, that looks like a great opportunity for our students. And I wasn't quite sure. I had never been to the national conference, but I've presented at regional conferences. Um, I'm in region four uh, before. And so I just kind of reached out. I think I had even submitted a different idea. But then when I realized and understood what it was more, I was like, well, my students really should just be sharing the research that they're doing as part of their creative year-long project. Um, so they each get to choose one topic that they get to do a deep dive into. And so this year, the, we only have two students, a, a small program to begin with, and this cohort just happens to be small, but we can have up to 12 students or so. Um, one um, shared about native plants in libraries, public libraries, and another one um, is doing more study around um, geology, in particular um, geology of our area. He has a bachelor's degree in geology and understanding how interpretation works with that bachelor's degree and this environmental education degree that he's getting as well. And he actually plans to go into interpretation as a career as well. So you've been involved with both formal education and non-formal education. You have been involved with education at all levels, You currently at the collegiate level, but also uh, working with children in, in nature centers. Which demographic do you find the most rewarding to work with? And what, what do you see as the, the really uh, consequential differences between formal and non-formal education? Okay, so I started out as an elementary teacher, uh, and so I was the science teacher that takes out and do hands-on kinds of things, and so this is kind of a natural progression of some of the things I've been doing. And as you mentioned, I've taught at the college level, and then also with like nature preschools and, and those kinds of things as well, and a lot of informal, non-formal education along the way. 
as far as a favorite, I, you know, when I, I, people ask me what I like to do, I like to watch kids play outside and I love creating those experiences. However, I also know that to make that happen, especially in today's world, we need research and trained educators and um, informal educators that can support that type of play for children. And so that's my personal kind of research project um, and things. So I've done research on uh, tree climbing and risky play, this loose parts concept in outdoor classrooms, just launched a study on fire as a loose part and uh, fire safety within that. So I think it's important and recognize that we need to have the supports for the adults working with children. So while my preference may be children, it's also really rewarding and exciting to work with educators and other people who support children. This risky play and tree climbing thing is something my parents could tell you about. They, there's a very famous moment from my childhood where I fell out of a tree in the front yard and they were they were just hanging out inside in the living room and and there goes Paul sailing past the window. So um, <laughs> you're still alive. <laughs> here I am today, although it may, you know, I probably landed on my head. It probably explained some things. I have another story about that, but we won't talk about it. <laughs> That's for another episode. <laughs> Oh, Carla, how long have you been a member of NAI? Uh, I probably joined for the first time about 10 years ago. I had taken the master naturalist class at our state level kind of area and had a young child, like five weeks old, maybe even. I was just looking for something to do outside of my house without my children. And as part of that, you volunteer. I ended up volunteering with my children at a, a local nature center, it kind of adopted the nature center as a family, did a deep dive into understanding what nature centers were like, um, how they worked, uh, the leadership of them as well, and particularly uh, how to support children in spaces like that. So nature preschools, uh, outdoor classrooms, all of those things that just children in nature in general. Part of that, I heard about NAI and CIG training. Um, so I'd gotten a scholarship to go and take CIG training uh, at our state state parks, I guess it was, and uh, was had an enjoyable time kind of transferring those formal education skills to the field of interpretation as part of that. And it helped me be able to deliver programs and content at the Nature Center better and within my volunteer work with uh, Master Naturalist. And then I continued doing other stuff with it and even got a scholarship, I believe, to join the, the regional NAI organization as well. I, you know, was getting emails and things like, oh, this seems like something. As a volunteer, you don't get paid for the things that you're doing. So those scholarships and grants can be very helpful. We also got a scholarship um, at the Nature Center to help support some of the outdoor play in the outdoor classroom that we were building. It was, you know, blood, sweat, and volunteer groups, <laughs> just organizing all those people to create these um, spaces for children as part of that. And um, from there, you know, I just continued. I stepped away from the Nature Center about five years ago, but have been still doing a lot with early childhood and going into preschools and such, bringing that outdoor education aspect of it in developmentally appropriate ways to um, children and educators as part of it. And then I've been teaching in this program for about four years or so as an adjunct, and then just um, started uh, this position full-time, kind of coordinating the whole master's degree program, June, 
this last June and um, joined NAI again because it had had a lapse um, when I wasn't as involved with the Nature Center after that. So that's kind of been my journey and kind of neat to see it those simple things at the beginning to help support a volunteer and make career transitions into something that they can enjoy and love. So I appreciate NAI and all they did and Master Naturalists that they did to help support that transition for me. I'm really curious about the relationship between, you know, I, I was sort of semi-joking about tree climbing there, right? And risky, <laughs> risky play, but the whole notion of just sort of unstructured play, unstructured time, especially for children in nature and the relationship between that and and interpretation. Uh, and maybe I'm sort of combining worlds for you here a little bit, but what what is that relationship between unstructured play? Let me rephrase that. How can interpreters use unstructured playtime in their programming for interpretive ends? Yeah. Um, so I was just on vacation and recently reread Personal Interpretation. I know uh, that book. <laughs> yes. And uh, great to see all the different examples and just kind of solidify in my mind a little bit more how interpretation is maybe different than environmental education and or similar to it and such. Um, and was started thinking more about some of the the processes um, within that. And at first when I did CIG training, it felt kind of stiff. Like this is how we do it. You have your your overall topic, I mean, theme, <laughs> let me see if I can get the words right, and then the different subtopics within that and such. Um, but I think that those same things can happen within unstructured um, play, nature play, and those kinds of things. Um, for an, exa an example of this, um, there's International Mud Day in June, June 29th. And within that, you could have a theme of mud is fun, and then have several subtopics about how animals interact with mud, how humans use mud, and then have playful interactive experiences so that children have that free uh, free play to explore mud on their own terms and uh, preferences within that. So that's just one example of how it could be applied, but there are lots of other ones. And I need more time to think about and study that topic a little bit more, but watch for an article soon about it. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Are, are, will we see you uh, in Legacy Magazine or another uh, another platform? Maybe. I'll look all right. All right. All right. If it works, we can't. We, we're not giving any. We're not. To, we're not divulging just yet where that's going to be. Now you mentioned uh, the loose parts topic as well, and so just how kids play with sticks and rocks and those kinds of things, cardboard boxes. It doesn't have to be natural. Those are some of my favorites, though. Um, just allowing them to have some of their voice and choice with what they're doing. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't safety parameters around it and or some guidance at, at times to help spark that. Um, so it can fit within interpretation. And I need to do a little bit more formal study on that to be able to share it more articulately with the masses. Well, and one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that you are a fellow podcaster. You have a podcast that is called Loose Parts Nature Play, which you can find on all of the platforms where podcasts are available, rate, review, subscribe. Um, and you, there is also a Loose Parts blog out there as well. So uh, those those are platforms that that you're involved with, in addition to all of the many things we've already discussed here. Yep. A, a Facebook group of 130,000 plus people around Loose Parts Play um, from around the world. And yeah, I do a little too much, have a busy brain, but that's how I roll <laughs> and I've accepted it. 
it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are thrilled that you are a member of NAI and that, um, you know, again, my my realm is the conference. And so coming back to the conference, it's it's great to see your organization setting aside budget to take your students to, you know, professional development conferences. Can you give a just quick secondhand um, synopsis on your students' experience, not only presenting their poster sessions at the Marketplace of Ideas, but just in general, what does that, what does attending a professional conference do for your students? Yeah, so this is cost that's included in tuition for students. And so, you know, we pay for the transportation, the housing, that we did rent an Airbnb, so it was a little bit less expensive and made a lot of our meals at the place. And then also their conference fees and then being a, a student membership with NAI as well. And so I organized and planned all of that. It's been something that the organization has been doing as part of the program for a long time. Um, and okay. NAI has been a great um, option for this. As far as that impact of the conference on the students, it was so fascinating to watch them get excited about meeting other people within the profession to see a wider scope of career possibilities. I didn't know I could do that, <laughs> you know, yeah. those kinds of things. To watch them uh, have uh, business cards handed to them, they realized that they were doing professional contacts and networking with others within the field. Uh, that's a big part of what we need to do as part of environmental education and interpretation within this. It's just help build those professional networks and uh, such early on as part of students' um, experiences with that. And it was so neat to see one of the keynote speakers or panelists, I guess it was, sit next with one of the students and just chat and listen to him like he was so important. And he is. And the students were so welcomed at the conference. One of the students um, shared uh, the following with me about this. Glenn mentioned, I appreciated feeling welcomed in many ways. Both the NAI staff and hotel staff, our conference center staff, were helpful when I had questions. Speaking with the people presenting after their talks was always a good learning experience. And overall, everyone I met was great to talk with. I really liked how interested people were when we did the marketplace of ideas. It made me feel confident and proud of my project. Overall, I'm so glad my first conference was such a good experience. I felt welcomed in the field in the best way. So, I mean, <laughs> and, oh. you know, how do you, how do you go beyond that? Uh, but even uh, the other student uh, just mentioned like one of the highlights of his experience so far. So they started in July. So maybe six, seven months into their program right now. Uh, and he said that uh, the conference was one of his highlights as well. And uh, just connecting and seeing the larger picture of things, I think is really important. Uh, it can be a little overwhelming. That's a whole lot of sessions to go to, <laughs> um, yes. but it was good. And I would say just um, that belonging. Uh, I know that right now in particular, NAI is really focusing on DEI types of topics. And that was very evident and um, put students at ease right away, feeling uh, the sense of belonging and it's okay for them to be there. And being around so many professionals shifted their notions of what is acceptable in today's world as far as like dress codes and piercings and tattoos and some of those things that might have been a little bit more taboo in the past that are more acceptable in today's world. Um, so I think that was just a great experience overall. As far as their marketplace of ideas, being able to share about their own research in their own words, 
just gave them a confidence level. They got to have uh, stickers that they were presenters on their badges and got to stand up when all the other presenters were standing up as well. So it was just great to see their growth as part of it. We also were able to reflect on each day as part of the conference. We'd go back to the Airbnb and chat about some of the things that were happening. And it was good to see their plans, uh, see how they were reflecting on their professionalism, their leadership, um, their interpretation um, skills and, and processes that they were going through. And then also even within our program, where are we lacking? Where do we need to add more focus? And so we noticed that there were several uh, sessions on in indigenous perspectives and uh, that hadn't come up. Remember this is my first year in the program as much. I mean, we've shared about some different opportunities and such in the area, but it hadn't come up as much. And so um, we are teaching or we're having experiencing, I don't know that I'm really teaching it, but we're experiencing an intercultural um, environmental education class on the big island of Hawaii in February. February. So we go for huh. three weeks and we the, the point is to go to a new location, use all these skills we've been learning, new location, new flora, fauna, new culture, and then share and interpret. So we've been working with the national parks, the zoos, uh, discovery center, high schools, and other uh, educational institutions to be able to in use our interpretation skills um, in that setting. So as part of that, we really reflected in being able to see, in this case, Native Hawaiian perspectives as part of what we're learning and growing and connecting at a different level um, than just uh, someone in the community, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just want to take awesome. everything you just said and bottle it up and uh, and and save it forever, right? Like it's so <laughs> you know you, you've highlighted so many things that are important to to us as an organization to try to bring to our conferences and our events and and to the profession and you know the fact that that your students were there putting themselves out there and sharing the work that they're doing is so important for us organizationally. So we are grateful to them as well for being part of that conference. So uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that. That really genuinely warms my heart to hear everything that you just said and and so grateful to you and and keeping your students involved in interpretation uh, and bringing them to the conference. I mean, it's such an important thing. And I hope you'll remember if you haven't already that we do have a student scholarship program. So uh, if they're looking for ways to get some extra funds to get there, uh, that is a plug that I'm happy to make on the podcast so that people will apply for those scholarships that we have. Yeah, um, I didn't know about it before, but we will be looking for it next year. <laughs> so. Keep keep an eye on the website and uh, and on our emails. We'll we'll try to promote it pretty heavily, and I know the college and university section will will do so as well. Cohort is um, younger people. Oftentimes, you know, it's a, a larger range of students. Um, you know, up to 55 years old, we've had master's degree students at that age. Um, so sometimes it's younger, sometimes it's older, oftentimes it's a mix of students. Um, but for these two students, oftentimes it's the, the first conference they've ever been to, you know, especially within this field. And what an exciting time for them to connect with and and realize that there are opportunities um, for them within the profession and to hear people's stories. You know, some of the best parts were just chatting with the people in line with us and, and hearing their stories of their progression. Um, one person talked about how they started as a volunteer, um, like I did as well, and uh, eventually got hired, and but had been passed over different times because they didn't have a master's degree. And so that was great for my students to hear 
you know, this master's degree will help the open doors for them. And also to see that they are at a level beyond some of the just internships and entry-level positions because they are stepping up into that, that professional aspect of interpretation as well. So I think it was good for them to see just overall that they have a place within this and can continue to grow and have a supportive network after they are no longer students as well, which is really neat to see our alumni as well. So I've just recently reached out to um, the alumni that we've had in our program, and it's neat to see that, you know, some of them are presenting at our regional NAI conference as well. So they're giving back and it's not a one and done type of thing, but something that they continue to be a part of after they leave our program as well. Absolutely. It's nice that as part of the tuition, you mentioned they also get a student membership to NEI, and that gives them access to so much additional networking and information. You know, they can just jump on that interpreter's forum and say, hey, we're doing some work in Hawaii. Who's in Hawaii? Or search the database and, you know, get a lot of additional contacts and, you know, just discussion boards. So I'm really thrilled that they, that a membership comes with that tuition. That's really cool. Yeah. And student memberships are usually cheaper anyway. So I always plug, Hey, get into these memberships while you can as a student. Yeah. Fees go up later. <laughs> but. Yeah. And you also mentioned that, you know, it, age isn't necessarily a factor for, you know, being accepted into, into this master's program. It can be anybody, right. Who yeah. wants to get their master's um, in environmental education. So, um, but you, the two that you did bring, were they able to talk to some of the folks from the young professionals council that we have? Yes, definitely. And I have shared uh, cool. some of those resources with them. And it was neat to for them to see other people in leadership positions, even at a young age. And I was very impressed with the young leaders that I saw at the conference as well. Very articulate, very organized, and also frank, able to share it like it is. And I appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they would share you know, what's really going on in uh, the minds of young leaders today. And uh, so I appreciate those perspectives of them and making those connections, I think is fantastic um, for students in general. So, yeah. <laughs> well, listeners of this podcast should check out episode three with our Young Professionals Council representatives, Katie Heeman and Grace Tiafilo. So uh, that's uh, uh, if, if you're interested in the Young Professionals Council. Yeah, just one other thing that I've noticed as we see, you know, calls for writing and contributions to newsletters and things like that. I've passed some of those things along to students as well. Um, so one of the students this year has taken a response for one of their classes and actually turned it into a writing piece for our regional newsletter as well. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, they this student likes to write a lot. And so being able to give them opportunities to share in different ways is great. And I believe that student also is um, becoming more active in the DEI um, aspect of NAI as well. Um, so finding opportunities to share and give and belong within NAI, I think has been fantastic for my students. So I really appreciate all that you all are doing to make those spaces and opportunities for it. And then also just as they met other students uh, at the conference at whatever level they may have been and was good for them as well. So we are looking at potentially including um, CIG training as part of our master's degree. But we know that it's still kind of launching the new updated version 
of things and kind of watching to see how that goes and how it could fit within the program as well. So while we don't have that training as part of it now, we're looking into it and also value the student opportunities for conferences and such as part of it. So thank you for all that's happening with it. Yeah, no worries. Okay, Carla, it is the beginning. We're recording this um, in the beginning of January, 2024. It is a new year. So I do have to have an obligatory ask of, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I did not um, do any New Year's resolutions. I heard you all share um, some of your thoughts on New Year's and such on one of your last episodes. I oftentimes will do word of the year. Um, so different times in the past I've done like explore or grow or adventure. This year's word for me is play. Uh, no surprise there, but just <laughs> a little bit more intentionality, especially as I've kind of shifted gears into working uh, more fully with adults. And uh, we do have a nature preschool on site and I can help with field trips sometimes and things like that, but it's not as full-time, but just being intentional about play um, myself and within the field of interpretation as well. So that's where I'm kind of looking to make sure that I can still have those playful moments in life as well. Well, Carla, we do like to work hard and play hard. So that I, I like that word as well for 2024. Hey, thank you so much for being on our podcast and for doing everything you, you do with your students and just, you know, environmental education and the field of interpretation. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. And I would say that play and work and learning don't have to be so separated. Maybe we can integrate them a little bit more. <laughs> Yes, with my ADD, I think that's exactly how it goes. Little work, little play, little work, little play, little play and work. <laughs> Carla, thanks so much. We really look forward to seeing more of your work and more of you and your students at the NAI conferences and in our publications and around the world of interpretation. Yeah, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for welcoming me back. <laughs> and, interpreters, and interpreters, that's what's that's up. What's up. <laughs>